And so this morning, we're going to go ahead and get in the message, but I had a few things that I thought about with moms, and you know, if, uh, I thought about younger moms, and what some of the things they go through, and new moms, and you know, have a daughter-in-law that she's fixing to have a new baby, and so I'm just thinking about it, and Claire's already had four, and I'm just amazed, and my son Matt and Rachel here, they just got married in November, so they're in danger land. And so this morning, I, I just thought about 10 reasons you know you're a mama, okay? Number 10, you have time to only shave one leg. <laughs> you hide in the bathroom to be alone, okay? You sing wiggle songs in the shower, okay? Your kids throw up and you catch it. Your favorite television show is a cartoon, You're so desperate for adult conversation, you spill your guts to the telemarketer and they hang up on you. <laughs> when you're out with your friends, you can't think or talk about anything else but your kids. Spit is your number one cleaning agent. And all you children, all you people that were cleaned by spit, just raise your hand. I was. Anybody doing? Huh. All right. You clap when everybody goes potty. <laughs> and the last one, you accidentally, you accidentally brush your teeth with Boudreaux's, Boudreaux's butt paste. <laughs> so, welcome to all the moms for the weekend. And Ms. Jean, happy birthday. And, uh, you know, we understand that many of you as moms, you're underappreciated, you're underpaid. And you're overworked. But here at our Savior's Church, we just love you moms. And we thank, thank you for all you do, getting those kids here, being here, making your husband look good as he sits on his bed with his BVDs and you tell him what to wear and what looks good. So today we're continuing our series, Unleash, and it's the Holy Spirit in you. We're, we're going to spend five weeks on God's Word to find out about the Holy Spirit and what He does. And so this morning, all throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is described in different ways. He's described as water, wind, fire, atmosphere. And this morning, we're going to talk about the anointing. And what, is that? what does anoint mean? Anointing means to set apart, to authorize, and to, to, to equip for the task of spiritual importance. That's what it means. It means that God has given every one of us a task. Every, God's, everybody's got a J-O-B, a job. It, they have a job description from God. And see, I believe this. Uh, simply put, to be anointed means to be set apart by God with power from God to, be, to do God's purposes for your life. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a purpose. Look at the neighbor you didn't want to look at and say, you too. Okay? Everybody in here has a purpose. And see, the anointing is simply the fuel of God's presence, you know, for the purpose for his kingdom to be advanced. And so now when, when we hear the word anointing, most of us think of a lot of different things. We think of a, maybe a preacher that we like watching on TV or someone we've been around or, or we're going to see some kind of big tent revival or this speaker's coming into town and someone who can heal people, someone just really powerful in the way they speak. But really anointing means, it means to honor God. It means to know that when you're weak, that, you know, when you stand out for God, even in your midst of your weakness and you stand for him, God's with you, that you are able to honor him, that you're able to minister, you're able to know things that you normally would not know. You're able to do things that you just wouldn't normally be able to do. You're able to stand 
where it was difficult to stand. You're able to rule where you were, it was difficult to rule. You're able, you're, 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 set, you're anointed for healing. Not only are you anointed for healing, but you're anointed to power. Second, we say power. Everybody in this room needs the power of God in their lives. And see, I believe this, and it's also you're anointed for victory. You know, I believe this, you don't have to stay down. You know what? Failure's never final in God. Just because, how many of you have ever blown it? How many of you failed? Every one of us in this room have failed. Every one of us have blown it. But that's the grace of God, that God covers us. He no longer sees our sin, but he sees his son through us and his blood that washes us and cleanses us from all the junk that we've been a part of. And so that's good news. So here when we hear the word anointing and we often think it's, it's what the representatives are, the, the truth is every believer, look at me, every believer is anointed by God. Every one of you are anointed by God. You don't have to be a powerful preacher. You don't have to be a powerful speaker. You don't have to have the healing ministry. God's called you to be anointed. And I'm going to talk about what that means this morning. But every one of you have a purpose. Every one of us have a design. Every one of us have a place in God's kingdom to do what God wants us to do. I believe that. And so I want to read a a portion of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 21 and 22 and it is God who established us with Christ, in Christ, has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, or really what that means is a pledge, or really what it means is, is an engagement ring. God puts us, and he, he engaged, he's engaged, we're engaged to him, just like we are. We're the church, we're the bride, waiting for the bridegroom, that God is with us. No matter where we go, he says, lo, I'm with you always. That means for all of us short people, right? Low. And so not only that, but God is with us. And no, it doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter where we come from, how we came into this earth. God is for us and God is with us. You see, God is no respecter of persons. I don't care what side of the bayou you're from. I don't care what side of the Interstate 10 or I-90 you're from or what, what, your, what your daddy was or your grandpa was or your mama. You're not represented by who they are. You're represented by the hand of God. And God looks at us in a different way than other people look at us. Amen. Amen. You, don't, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be gifted. You don't have to be rich. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're smart. And I've met a few people that aren't. But let me tell you something, being a Christian means this. It doesn't matter how smart you are, it matters if you're willing to obey. You see, Christ means the anointed one because Christ is in us. The same anointing that was on him is on us. Remember he said, he said, hey, I'm going to leave, guys, but I'm going to send the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to anoint, he's going to be with you. You see, Christ means anointed. If Jesus needed to be anointed, then maybe you and I need to be anointed. Amen? You see? So why do we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit? The first reason is this. Anointed, you're anointed for a purpose. Say it with me. Say purpose. You see, in uh, Isaiah, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. And to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to those who mourn that the the, the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. 
And you see, I believe that God, when you look at this portion of Scripture, God takes every one of us from something to something. Listen, I'll just say this. Every one of us, how many of you have ever lied in your life? Come on, how many of you ever lied? Okay, how many of you never lied? You raise your hand, I'm going to call you a liar. Okay? The bottom line, we've all lied. We've all been, you know, you know and sometimes people go, Pastor, do you know who that person is? That they can, I go, hey, I look at, you know, because if I had a definition of me or you, we'd be the same as them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God, the Bible says God's no respect of persons. And in the scripture, the, the anointing is given to help. What does it say to help? It's good news to the people that are poor, that have no hope. To those that need healing. They might not receive healing here on this earth, but when they stand whole before God, they'll match the face behind the voice they heard that guided them and led them and spoke to them and encouraged them. He says to restore people. God's in the restoring business. God restores those. You know, what does restore mean? It's to be made new. How many of you got family you're praying for? Maybe a son, a daughter, a mother, a father. Just family. God's into the restoring business. God is into restoring. And he says to proclaim freedom to the captive. What greater thing can you tell someone that, man, you're free if you've been a captive? And he says this, to open blind eyes. To set people free. To be anointed by God is not to be picked, but to be empowered. Then just say, hey, you, you're, you got a special thing. God's got a special thing for every one of us. And, the ta- and he's given us a task or position or a purpose to which he's called us. All throughout scriptures, you can see in the word of God, it's a, you look at it, the prophets, they were anointed to proclaim the word of God. The priests were to carry out all the duties and, and, and the sacrifice before God. Noah was to build an ark. He had a purpose. David killed a giant, Goliath, and to be king. Then you look at Esther to confront the king. Then you look at Nehemiah who built walls in Jerusalem and you look at Peter and you look at Peter and Paul and they were anointed to preach the gospel and to plant churches. If you're in Christ, say it with me, in Christ. If you're in Christ, there's an anointing for everything you're called to do, no matter how small or how great the task. You know, mamas, you're anointed by God to train and instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. You can be a stay-home mom, you're still anointed to bring glory to God. You can be a working mom, you're still anointed to bring glory to God. Dads, I'm not leaving you out. Fathers, you're anointed by God to lead your family in loving God and serving others to the glory of God. Businessman, you're anointed to lead your business and make it successful to the glory of God. Students, you're anointed to study. Y'all love me, don't you, kids? You're anointed to study and to be a learner for the glory of God. Christians, you're anointed to proclaim Jesus to a dying world and to live in hope, to to discern truth, and to pray for the sick. We're anointed. Say it me. Say, I'm anointed for a purpose. You have a purpose. You have a design. When God says he made us, he shattered the mold. There's not another one like you. The Bible says that God knows the hairs on your head. If you're follically challenged, he knows those that have fallen, and he knows those that are staying. And he knows the ones that you're trying to keep. He knows. He's there. 
The second thing, you're anointed for his perspective. What does that mean? That word is a big word, but it means his view, means the way you see things. How many of you know that sometimes we see things different than other people? I had someone come to me this morning. They go, hey, Pastor Bubba, I found a little cat, and he's, all this stuff happened and all that. And I'm like, I don't have that perspective for cats. <laughs> Y'all know how I think about cats. Cats are from the devil, right? All right. And I go, I go, I just really, I, and she, she looks at me and goes, that's right, you don't like cats, do you, Pastor Bob? No, but I know a lady who does. Come on, where's Dana? Here's Dana, all right. I, go, I sent her to her. And so, I mean, they see things differently, and this is what I pray. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. I pray that God put Jesus' contact lenses on every one of us, that we see through the eyes of God, not rather than our own. Because, you know, with our own eyes, we can be prejudiced. In our own eyes, we can be judgmental. In our own eyes, we can say, you know, they don't need this or they don't need that. Or, you know, well, they come from here. We have our own perspective, don't we? But I pray that God put his, his, he puts Jesus' contact lenses on our eyes. And we begin to see people like he sees them. David was anointed by God. You know, First Samuel, and I love the story of David. Many people know the, the whole story of David, but David was anointed. And I love, he was, he was, he, he was uh, you know the story of David and Goliath. And, he, and when, he's a young, when he's young, he's about, they say he's maybe like 15. He was handsome, but he was ruddy looking. And uh, where's Bryce? Where you at, Bryce? Come here, Bryce. Where's Bryce? Come up back. Come, come on up here, Bryce. Come on. Run, Bryce. Tell you a couple things you know about Bryce. How old are you, Bryce? 14? 15. All right, look at him. This is David. No, no, I want to tell you something about Bryce. You don't know. He's a 4.0 student. Okay, I found, I saw on Facebook. I'm on Facebook now. Everything gets found out. I got a few other people I can call out, but it won't be David. Anyway, he's a 4.0 student tell you something about him he mows the grass around here and weed eats he does a good job you enjoy when you walk in here okay not only that this tells me a little bit about Bryce he found a $10 bill on the grounds after we had the Easter you know drop and he comes in my office goes Pastor Bob can I talk to you I know I'm embarrassing it's okay Bryce he goes Pastor Bubba I found $10 on the ground. And he goes, I couldn't keep it because I know that's got to be God's money. So here you go. And let me tell you something. The Bible says if you can trust someone in the little things, you can trust them in much. Okay. That's the kind of guy, that, this kind of man, young man this guy is. All right. Thank you. Y'all give it a hand for Bryce. And he's back there running the sound. He's all over the place. But can I tell you something? That when you see Bryce, that's what David was. Standing before a giant. The Bible says he was between 9 foot and 11 foot tall. Shaq had nothing on him. And he gets out there. And, and the Bible says he's the champion of the Philistines. Philistine means this. means sameness. And if you stay the same, you get lame. And if you, stay the, you stay, get lame, you get tamed, right? 
And so what happened, he came in this valley, and they had all the Philistines and all their mighty army. And here's this guy in the valley crying out, send me your champion. He's calling him out, your mama. He's like, your mama's so big, she got to use the driveway to iron her clothes. And your mama, I'm not going to mama things anyway. I just... But what happened is, there's David standing in the valley. And as he's standing in the valley, he, see, he hears, as he sees Goliath standing in the valley, and he's just going to bring cheese and bread to his brothers and give a report to his dad what's going on back home. Because his brother's in the fight. And you know the story. He comes up and he hears this guy. And this is what I love about David. He goes, who is this? And I love this part. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I'm like, how did he know? You know what I mean? Just call him out. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that taunts the armies of the living God? And they heard somebody say, you see that little boy, man? He's been, he ain't afraid of that giant. So they bring him before they bring him before King Saul. He tries to put his armor on him. It doesn't fit him. He says, King, that's, he said, I, I can't wear this. I'm not used to this. And it really should have been Saul. You know the story. It's a whole other thing going out to face the giant. He was God's anointed. But God always raised somebody up if you're not willing to do what God wants you to do. And what happens is, you know, he goes in a brook and gets five stones. And the whole symbol lives in it. There was Goliath, and he had four brothers and a, and a grandson down the road, Ishbenibab, that was killed by all of David's family, okay? Represented, there was four more coming. But he picks up those stones, and then here's Goliath, and he comes out. And I love what in verse 22 in chapter 1 Samuel 17, when, and it's not in your, your notes, but David, I love this, but David, I like, it says, but David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper, and he ran to fight. In the battle. In other words, look at me. If you and I, if we get God's perspective and we have God's purpose in our lives, you know what? Every one of us got junk in the trunk. Every one of us have baggage. Come on. And what had to happen is David had to go, you know what? I'm dropping the baggage. Hey, you're the baggage keeper? That's Jesus. Jesus, take care of your baggage. You understand? You leave your baggage, your junk. Because when you walked in here today, some of you, go, there was voices speaking to you. You don't need to be in here. You know, my hair's out of place. I can't go. I'm not dressed right. I mean, all those different things to get you here this morning. He leaves his baggage, and I love what it says, and he runs to the battle. And in this portion of Scripture, and he's talking to them. And Goliath the Philistine, the champion of Gath, came out to the Philistines' ranks. Then David heard him, sh him shout his usual taunt at the army of God. As soon as the Philistines' army saw him, they began to run away in fright. When the, Phil when the Israelites saw Goliath, they were full of fear. But notice, there was a different response with David. And you know what? He comes out, and David, a couple of verses down, David replied in verse 45. He says this. How many of you know that bold declarations require great risk? How many, can be, how many you know people that are bold but don't never, never take risk? They're all, taught, all show, no go. Okay? And David replied to Philip, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord in heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will cut, I will kill you. I love this. He's, call, he's calling him out. I will kill you, and I will cut your head off. How I many you know that's a bold declaration? 
Okay? And he says, then I will give your bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. David was so, I mean, I looked it up. It's in a commentary. The Bible, in one of these Bible commentaries, it says David, they, 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 uh, some archaeologists, they found some of the armor of the Philistines. And they began to record what the armor looked like and how it looked and how the helmet looked. And one of the commentaries that I read, he said this. He said, they had a massive, massive armor. But what happened is they would have a shield over their face. But they say David was so small that Goliath had to pull the shield up. So David's like, I see my target. And you know the story. I mean, faith abides in the heart. That's re- You know what? I believe this. When you have faith to believe for God, it's, it's a release. God will give you faith to release something out of your mouth. Hello? But what you have to be willing to do, it's a thing you have to believe in your heart. It's something else to make a statement, and there's something else to do what you said you're going to do. Y'all with me? David does that. And you know, you know that. I remember coming back from work one day, working at my, for my stepfather, and it was late in the evening, and my sons, and we, I'd tell them Bible stories. They'd always have little fun things. And one day I'm coming in. It was late, and Andrew was out in the front yard, and I used to play Goliath, and he was David. You remember that? And, and he's like, yeah, he's like, and when he was little, he used to stutter. He goes, and, and he goes, and I'm, and I'm coming. He goes, I come, 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 in the name of the Lord. And he throws a rock and he beans me right in the freaking head. <laughs> hey, heaven's clapping. All right. So. And I'm supposed to fall dead. I wanted to kill him. But anyway. But we know what God did. We know that God used a simple guy that made a bold declaration and was willing to take a risk and trust God. Because why? When he stood before the king, he said, you know, King Saul, when I was younger, a bear came to get my dad's sheep. And God helped me kill that bear. A lion came. And I took the lion and I took him out, but with God's help. You see, there's another story in the Old Testament. Elijah was a prophet anointed by God. But he had a servant with him who was who was not anointed by God he was a me first attitude kind of person all about me all about I all about number one quoting uh, quoting Toby Keith one morning the servant got up early before Elijah and he looked out the window and he saw that Elijah's place was surrounded by a host of the enemy army all around him and he began to freak up and he goes Elijah wake up wake up there's the enemy all around us and Elijah just looked at him. He said, Lord, I pray that you would open my servant's eyes. And when he prayed that, the servant went outside and he saw, the Bible says he saw the host of the Lord's army surrounding them. It's like a story. I don't know if you ever heard. How many of you ever heard of Smith, Smith Wigglesworth? Okay. And oh, he was a, a plumber in England that got saved and he got radically saved. And one night... His wife wakes up, and she sees demons dancing around their bed. And she goes, Smith, wake up, wake up. And she goes, wake up, there's dancing devils dancing around our bed. And he looks up, and he goes, oh, it's only them. And he goes, Lord, just let my wife's eyes be open. And when, her eye, when she opened her eyes, there was these nine-foot angels 
standing like this, elbow to elbow, surrounding Smith and his wife around his bed. You see, I've heard of one time when missionaries went in Hawaii, when they were settling the Hawaiian Islands. And they went there, and and they they were in the islands, and one of the natives comes up to them, and they says, hey, this is what our God can do. And all of a sudden, these guys begin to levitate off the ground. So if you're a missionary, what do you think you're going to do? Come on, they're going, this is what our God can do. And they go, what can your God do? And the story goes, the missionary goes, praise God. The guy fell down, broke his leg. He prayed over him, and he got healed. He says, that's what my God can do. (laughs) See, even Jesus saw people. We got to see people through God's perspective. When you think about a little Joel, we don't see him as he is. We see him as whole. In your circumstances, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, no matter how depressing it may seem, you don't need to take a pill to get rid of that. You need to look to God. The Bible says he's a comforter. He'll strengthen you. The battle's the Lord's. It's not yours. See, even Jesus saw people and problems differently than others did. When you look at it, you know, I think about the story when, when Jesus is standing there, and we're going to look at it in math. He's standing there, and he just he's, here's this news. Your cousin, John the Baptist, he's been beheaded. The Bible says, if you read that, that chapter in Matthew 14, he said he just wanted to go and be alone. How many of you ever just wanted to go be alone sometime? He just wanted to be alone. He gets on a boat, and he crosses over. And when he crosses over, this is where this is. And Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. And I love our Lord. And he had compassion on them. And healed their sick. You know, when I think about that. It, think about it, God helped me to see from his perspective. God help us to see. He saw these people. He saw these people. They were down. They were discouraged. They were poor. They didn't have anything. They were following him. And it's like he's wanting to be alone. How many of you ever felt that way? You just want to be alone and people can bother you. Come on. Will you pray for me? Yeah, Lord, take them out. But you know what? The cool thing is when we when all everybody that volunteered at teachers appreciation this week and gave crawfish to the teachers at Jenny's Elementary. Let me tell you something. They were so happy. And I was in the lunchroom. There were so many kids in the lunchroom. They were just thanking us. I met, I knew kids, I met kids that knew Luke. And I met some of them, you know, saw, know our church because of Peter Street Outreach. Last summer, just reaching out to the community. I saw kids that remember the egg drop. You know, can I get a ride next time? No. <laughs> to where, he's going, when y'all coming back? See, when we walked in there, they had a different perspective of who we, they know who we are. But it's God. It's the love of God that we can be God's hands. We can be his feet. We can be his mouthpiece. We can reach out and love and just serve somebody. And see, you, I, I just know this, is that you, we got to see, you know, when, when there's a problem there's in, in a relationship or a crisis and, 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 and the way we see it. We need to see it differently. Mom's going to tell you something. Look at me. When you're in crisis and your children are in crisis, don't you ever give up. Don't you ever stop praying. 
I'm a product of a lot of broken hearts and a lot of prayers. From that mama, from my stepfather, to my grandmother. People just pray for me. I can remember getting up in the middle of the night. Todd would forget to un- keep the door unlocked for me. Todd is still bad at you about that. Where are you? There you are. I mean, I, he'd be in before me sometimes, not all the time. And I remember I'd have to go knock on his Todd, Todd, Todd. Okay, when you're locked out and you're not home, what do you think your mama's doing? Oh, God, where is he? I'm going to kill him, but Lord, save him, you know. Help him. When he come, and I can remember. I can remember walking in, and my mom would come to the door. I think, oh, my God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you know mamas know you? How many mamas know when you're lying? Come on, let's be honest. How many of you know when mamas know that you're exaggerating? That means lying, too. How many of you know when your mamas just know? They know. You've been hiding something. I remember walking, she'd open the door and she goes, Howard, what's wrong with you, son? I'm okay, mom. But your eyes, they're, they're so red. They're so, what? Am I telling the truth, mom? She's my witness. But you know what? The same mama that saw that was the same mama came pick me up, bring me to her house. To let me get prayed for and give my life to the Lord and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And from that day forward, I've never been the same. Because it's God. When you see your children through God's perspective. And you don't let your circumstances or the things you walk through dictate what you become and what you do. Listen, I've been there. Listen, can I tell you something? How many of you know that your motto sometimes is, look, I help bring them in the world. I can take them out too. We've all been there. But ca- compassion is, is when you, you're not, you, not that you just have good intentions on you, but you know that you need to do something about what God's putting on your heart. You know, I just think about this region and this area, and I love this area. You got good people, simple people, and you're part of that. You're part of this community. And God wants to take what seems small and insignificant, and God wants to make it incredible. Where his light shines bright, and God is able to go, there's a people that love me. The third and final thing is, you're anointed with his power. Sammy saying, with power. So you're anointed with his purpose. You're anointed to have his perspective, his eyesight. You're anointed with his power. Kind of like Spider-Man. With great power comes what? Great responsibility. With great power comes responsibility. And we've seen people misuse that responsibility and misuse that power and give the gospel and Christians a bad name. But Acts chapter 10, and he said, when you know that God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power, then Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. It's kind of like, much like a car's engine. Eventually, you won't run very well without gas. Trying to do life without anointing will leave you stuck. 
It just will. For everything that you're facing right now, there's a power from the Holy Spirit to face it. Look at me. It's called the grace to walk through it. Because listen, if you're not going through something, you're fixing to go through something. And some of you are coming out of something to get a little rest, only to go back to what you have to face. You see, you, it gives you the power to face it. It gives you the power to be an overcomer, not in yourself, but through him, through Christ. It helps you to be, have the power to help restore, to transform. Why? That the Spirit of the Lord is upon you in power. Look at your name and say, you know what? You got some power, girl. If it's a guy, don't say girl. You have some power. Any strong man does not feel his strength while he's sitting down. He feels it only when he exerts himself. How many of you ever been disciplined? How many of you know when you were disciplined, you didn't know the power that your parent had? Till they applied it. And you go, oh shoot. I have allowed a sleeping giant to come awake. David didn't feel anointed. But he faced Goliath. And he knew that God's power was with him. Listen, if you're basing your life on feelings, they're going to come up and they're going to crash down. How many of you love your, your mate? How many of you love your wife? How many of you love your husband? If you're sitting next to him, you raise your hand. <laughs> or we can repent and then we get it right. You know, we had something fantastic last week. Is it okay if I say? Last week, Shauna and Ray, Raphael, came at the end at the service and they just said, Pastor, we haven't been living right. We just want to get married. So at the end of the service, about 15 of us stayed here, and they got married. They didn't even have rings. We got, they got them. We're going to pay for them. Sabrina's over there. She's good. I got a ring. She got everything, Band-Aids, antiseptic. She got rings. I mean, she had a ring. I don't know how. And, and, and she goes, I got a ring, and she gets her ring out. And I go, well, you can get mine, but I want it back. And so we're doing the, the wedding vows, and I'm forgetting stuff because I don't have my papers in front. My wife's trying to tell me how to say it. And reminding me she's a helpmate i need help man anyway and we're doing all that and then you know they repented we prayed they said the vows and they prayed and god blessed them but i told ray i said ray when you do this all that guilt all that shame all those things you've been walking through and everything you've been having in your life god's going to take that away and god's going to empower because you're never going to be judged by what you were, but it's who you are now. Because not God never puts a never on anybody ever. Only people do. And see, he he comes, and I, I'm out in the back, and I'm just looking at some stuff on my, my phone, and he comes in, and he goes, hey, Pastor. And you know Ray, he's just simple. But I love Ray, he's got a soft heart. He goes, Pastor, you know everything you said? It happened to me. I said, Ray, that's the freedom and the power of Jesus. What you were, you are not anymore. 
And so y'all give it up for the Lord. He's so good. Everybody was like, Sabrina, they even got their video. Sabrina was filming it. We had a film. We had ring. I mean, Luke, at the end of the service, he goes, that was the funnest and best wedding I've ever been to in my life, Dad. That was cool. That's cool. I think it's cool. That's the gospel. It's good news. Bad news for the devil. Samson became strong only when he went into action. It's when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. When everybody thought he was washed up, they poked his eyes, cut his hair. His strength was not in his hair and his eyes. His strength is from the Lord. Amen. His hair was growing back. That represented his relationship was growing again. You imagine in solitude and loneliness that he didn't cry out to God. And God used him. He did his greatest exploit. The anointing of God will give you the power when you're your weakest. Motherhood can be very stressful. Amen? Because without the power of his anointing moms, raising kids can cause you to lose it. Look, I see my mama at her worst, and I'm not telling those stories. Y'all have already heard them all. I don't need to repeat them. No. But I've seen it at her best. But I know this. When my mama says this one word to me, I know everything's like, she goes, sugar. It's okay, sugar. That's my mama's key word. Everything's good. Sugar. I used to like hearing that. And I didn't like to hear that other stuff. You know, I'm not going to say it, mom. But even when I was fighting cancer and stuff, my mom just came and rubbed me a couple times. She goes, sugar, it's going to be okay. This is something about a mama, isn't it? The anointing is for now. Whether you're working on a detailed report for your boss, preparing for a test at school, making a peanut butter sandwich for your kids, you're anointed at this moment. For those in Christ, the anointing is in and on you right now. It's in you. It's on you. You only lose it when you don't use it. It's on you. If you're a mom, I'd just like you to stand up at this time. If you're a mom, everybody, every mama just stand up. Moms, as a pastor of this church, I just want to tell you this. I want you to know that we love you. No matter what stage you find yourself in, in motherhood. I'm telling you, I want you to tell you something. I want you to know this. You have a church that supports you and prays for you. And right now, you may be a mom fixing to happen, like my daughter-in-law, Julie. We watched her grow in, her Lord, in the Lord. And, but it's just been neat. To my daughter-in-law, to my wife, to my mom, and all you moms. Can I just pray for you this morning? If your mom is here, someone's next to you that's a mom, just set your hand towards them right now. Father, right now, I just thank you for every mom in this place. God, you know what stage they're at. Their kids could be out of home. They could be a grandmother that raised their grandchildren. There are many like that, God. That's their mama. And Father, right now, I thank you for just the gift of motherhood. All of us come from a mama somewhere. 
But Lord, we thank you for that gift. And I pray today that you would strengthen them, that you're, you would just come and you would fill them with joy. You would give them new hope. Even when they, many have faced things that seem hopeless, even with their own children, I pray that you would give them strength, not only strength, but God, a vision for the future of their children and all that you've called them to be. Lord, I thank you for those moms that are praying for those that are prodigal daughters and prodigal sons that are just standing for them and believing. And God, we thank you that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we think in our minds and even ask with our mouths. But Lord, we, we want to make a bold declaration. Bring those prodigals home this year. I pray mothers' hearts would be filled with joy, filled with purpose. And I just pray that over every mom. Bless them and be with them. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, give the moms a clap this morning. Hey, we love you. We love you, moms. And listen, if you came this morning and you're a first-time visitor, we just want to let you know only good-looking people come to our Savior's church. And if you're a visitor, we'd like you to fill out a card, and we have a gift for you when you leave today. But I just want to say this. Maybe you came this morning and you go, you know, Pastor Bubba, I, I, I know that I don't have any purpose in my life. I haven't been seeing things from God's perspective. And I know that I'm living a life that's powerless. And I need the Lord. I want God in my heart more than I want anything else. Because I know that if I have God in my heart, I'll see the way God wants me to see purpose in my life. Just bow your heads all over this place. If you're here this morning, you feel like that. Say, Pastor Bob, would you pray for me? I I need to give my heart to, I want to trust Jesus with all of my heart today. Just no one looking around. You just raise your hand and I'll just pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You can put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you right there. Thank you. Anyone else? Just pray this prayer with me. As many that raise their hands say, Lord Jesus. Come on, church, help me to do this. Say, Lord Jesus, I come today just like I am. I'm sorry for living my own way, doing my own thing. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I ask Jesus that you would come into my heart and free me from myself, the stains of this world, and my own pride. Have your way in my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name.